3: Welcome to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. And I'm Simon Provan. Good day to you, Simon. How are you doing?
0: Baxter, I'm doing great. How about yourself?
3: Not too bad. Your weekend was uh, restful?
0: Well, it wasn't restful. I spent uh, seven hours shopping with my wife and daughter at Ikea. Oh, my. So, Ikea, if you're looking to sponsor a soccer radio (laughs) show... (laughs) This segment brought
3: to you by IKEA and their new furniture line that we can't pronounce because it's so weird. Did you buy any weird named furniture? Oh, it's,
0: it's all, you know, Swedish named. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, we, we we spent quite a bit. Now, granted, this was something we've had planned for a while. Our daughters sure. are getting older. We've got to uh, create some more space in the bedrooms. So, of course. Um, uh, I need some space in my room. Not that the listeners really care to hear about all that, but hey, hey that's life, you exactly. know. So, uh, so human. it was a, it was a planned day. I had a couple of requests to do other stuff from other people. I said okay. no. My wife and I have planned this IKEA shopping day for a number of weeks. So and You really uh, do need an entire day to go to IKEA. You do. You do. And plus, it's two hours away, so That's it's a two-hour drive. So you want to make sure you, you you get everything. You know, the, at about the fifth hour, we're both kind of like, "Do we just want to stop?" Like, hey, no, we're we here. Just, we, we are. We? We're determined. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get what we need. And I have to say, my daughter Bethany, who's been on on mm-hmm. this show. Uh, she was awesome man she not a, a single complaint what a gal it so, has been all that good parenting yeah how about love, uh well thank you <laughs> <laughs> how You're about welcome. yourself How was your weekend Ah, uh,
3: my weekend was good uh, I don't remember what I did this weekend I'm sure it was exciting whatever it was um wow yeah <laughs> I, I know I did some stuff <laughs> I could not tell you what I did though off the top I might have to check my calendar uh, I had a broadcast sunday I was uh, where was it I wow it wasn't important. What's apparently. the score? I, I had that on Sunday. Yeah, I just can't remember what I did Friday or Saturday. Well, that was a long time ago. It really so. was. <laughs> I did go. I will say the highlight of my weekend, though, I did get to go on a date with my wife last night, which is really nice. Awesome. Even though it was just a small whatever date, we still got to go and just spend some time together. So, because I'll be doing some traveling in the next couple of weeks as well. So, but yeah, it was a lot of fun and a fun little weekend. Even though I don't remember most of it.
0: I don't know. It's hard not to forget a seven-hour shopping trip, I'll tell you that. I was going to say, that that <laughs> sounds easier, yeah. And here was, the, here was the best part, is that it took us about 30 minutes to get the van packed mm-hmm. sure. so we could actually travel with this stuff. I go to hop in the front seat, and my wife, God bless her, had <laughs> forgotten that she had moved the seat up or towards the steering wheel. Sure. Um, uh, in, we got one of those uh, cargo things mm-hmm. where you can flip the seat down. Yeah, so, in yep. order to flip the seat down, you got to move the driver's seat forward. Sure. So, we get everything packed in the van. And I go to sit in the driver's seat, and I'm like, "Uh, hon, what uh, what happened here? <laughs> oh my goodness!" She felt so bad. And I told her, "Hey, you know what? Honest mistake." Yeah. <laughs> so spent another ten minutes or so rearranging, shuffling, so you could man. actually have a couple of inches of of leg room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. See, that proves that we're human. We're know. human, and you know what? In the end, it it makes it for a fun fun memory to have. Exactly, and that's all that matters
3: at the end of the day. All right, well, we should probably talk a little bit about soccer. Oh, that's why, why people, we're here. That's why people are here, probably to listen right. to us. So, uh, yes, if you do enjoy listening to us talk about. You can find us on Fridays on Sports Radio America from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time on SportsRadioAmerica.com and on the TuneIn app and On Demand on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and on Spreaker.com. We are doing, for the month of April, uh, we will not have a, a quote-unquote live broadcast on Wednesdays anymore. Um, everything that we're going to be doing is going to be broadcast on Sports Radio America on Fridays from that 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern time. There's just some scheduling stuff on Simon and I's part, so we can't consistently do the show live on Wednesdays and all that. But we really want you to check out all the fantastic content that Sports Radio America does have on their on their network as well.
0: Yeah, and that's the biggest part of the move, is, is we'd like to help the station out. Sports mm-hmm. Radio America and also help ourselves out. So it, we appreciate all of you who listen to our show, especially. Baxter and I have noticed that when we have a Milwaukee guest on, the numbers skyrocket. So, you know, a personal shout-out and thank you yeah, to thank all the Milwaukee you, all listeners. Uh, so if you're in Milwaukee, we really encourage you as well, but anywhere, encourage you to head over to yeah. Sports Radio America Fridays, 2 to 5 Eastern, 1 to 4 Central, especially the 2 o'clock Eastern hour is very important. Uh, so if you could listen to us there, at least for the month of April, we'll see how the numbers work, and mm-hmm. we're calling it a fun little experiment for yeah. this month.
3: what's the worst that could happen? You Obviously, like we said, you can catch the show on demand. Be, it will be released at a later date, obviously after our show airs on the network. So if you do miss that time, don't freak out and be like, oh, "I've missed the show." You'll, you'll get it at some point. Don't, <laughs> and, don't and freak out.
0: If you're forgetting about what what time is it and where do I find it, go to our Facebook page, Two Upfront Soccer. You can go to our web page; all the information is there as well. That's Two Upfront Soccer slash Two Upfront Soccer. Of course, we're also on Twitter at Two Upfront Soccer. Our personal pages. At Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan. Yes, indeed.
3: So a couple of news things to get to straight away here uh, in our show. Uh, We do have a couple of interviews later on in the show as well. Uh, Wisconsin Lutheran College women's soccer head coach Tony Pierce will be here with us, not Tony Bennett like I called him, <laughs> Tony Pierce. That would be a fun interview, though, having Tony Bennett on the show. It
0: would be. I, I think we joked around about it yesterday. Yeah. I think Tony Bennett would be like, guys, I'm Italian, but uh, I, I watch baseball. I don't watch soccer. Although I don't know if that's true. He just he seems like that kind of New York guy, I could see that, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So
3: Tony Pierce will be on with us uh, later on in the show, and uh, Christine Narin of the Washington Spirit and U.S. Women's National Team will be on with us as well in our next segment. Uh, you can catch those interviews Uh, Christine Naren, part of our Women's Soccer Spotlight this week. So great opportunity getting a chance to speak with her. So a couple of news things that I want to get to uh, for major big soccer fans. Major big, yes. Uh, If anybody that has been an international soccer fan for a long time, you know that El Clasico was this last weekend, and folks were very happy, depending on what side of the fence you fall on. If there's not a bigger... Derby than the Manchester City Manchester United Derby. I really do think it's El Clásico, and that kind of begs the question: though which Derby is bigger? But
0: I don't know. I, I was, I was I El Clásico would be I, at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's got more history with those two teams sure. having been the top two in La Liga for so long. Whereas Manchester City is still pretty much a newer, high-powered mm-hmm. club. As it, you know, until it was bought out. Yes. Before that, it was, it was always a mid-tier, bottom-tier, or not tier, but mid, mid-table, mid bottom-table type of club. Um, True. So, yeah, I'd go with El Clasico. That or the uh, Portland Timber Saddle Sounders. But that's for another another day. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on who you ask, I think, <laughs> on that one. Uh, so, yeah, Real Madrid
3: getting a, a victory for the first time in a long time uh, against Barcelona. It was great for them to get a nice victory. Uh, they win 2-1. to one. Uh, Barcelona got the g- game going in the 56th minute on a nice little PK goal. Like an actual, like Gerard PK, not a, <laughs> from the penalty <laughs> not spot. Not a penalty yes, kick, yes, right. It's the worst, like, PK right. goal. be like, wait, who scored? Be like. Anyway, so Gerard PK had a beautiful soaring header, beat out Pepe for the uh, cross, and knocked it in. And then we saw two nice, we saw a really, really quality goal after F... Off of a ricochet by Karim Benzema, so the Frenchman showing that he can still score, even though he chooses not to do so for France. Right. <laughs> um, or he gets involved in scandals, which ban him from the French national yeah. team as well. But anyway, different time, different But still subject. doing well with Real Madrid. He is. He is. And then, of course, you know, game's on the line. You need a man to step up and score a game-winning goal. 84th minute, Cristiano Ronaldo does what he does, gets a nice little ball to fall him in the back post. Calms and composes himself, takes the ball off his chest and drives it between a, a defender and the goalkeeper and they ultimately
0: win the game. And they were at 10 men. 10 men, yeah. There was a red card in the game. So Real Madrid, against all odds, ends up winning this game. Now they still sit third in the table, seven mm. points behind Barcelona. So you can look at that and say, well, geez, is that, is that win really that important then? Because more unlikely Barcelona's going to sure. end up winning the league. However, it's better to be seven points behind rather than... 10 points behind, which it looked like it was going to be there for uh, Exactly, a while. and that's,
3: uh, I mean, I know the top three is pretty uh, pretty established here in La Liga. I know there's not too many games left in the regular season, but uh, R- Villarreal, barring some really odd thing, is not going to catch them for that final Champions League spot. So you don't need to necessarily worry too badly if you're uh, Real Madrid and be like, oh, we're not going to be in the Champions League, because that would just be really, really weird if they were not in the Champions League. It's yeah, going to be what it's going to be next year without Chelsea. There will be no Chelsea in the Champions right. League next year. So right. Um, and possibly no Manchester United. That's going to be a fun fun Champions League next year, which is a good segue, though. So if you're a Barcelona-Real Madrid fan, uh, depending on how you fall in it, it's just it was another classic game. There's always goals in these games, and it was nice to see Real Madrid. Uh, I, I, I'm not a huge Spanish soccer fan, but I do support Real Madrid when it comes down to, hey, who do you choose? So, yeah, I have a scarf in my closet. <laughs> that's the extent of my fandom, honestly. There you go. And I've played with them in FIFA a few times. Anyway, uh, so... Speaking about Champions League, there's a new, more than likely, team that's going to be jumping into the Champions League this year that uh, has not only taken the Premier League by storm, but has just taken the soccer world by storm as well. That's Leicester City, and uh, we understand that nobody could have written the odds to where they are right now. They continue to find ways to win. Jamie Vardy, even though he hasn't consistently been scoring the last couple of games, scored, first of all, that absolutely stunner of a goal. For England against Germany, I don't know if you got a chance to see that goal sign. I did not, not, but I've heard about it. Yes, the man's first ever international goal. He scores on a cheeky little like behind the back flick, basically, and it was just he just looked so calm and cool and collected about it, and just made it happen. Uh, So Leicester City, though, they are obviously riding high. They are currently seven points clear of second place, Tottenham Hotspur, Arsenal uh, in third place. So Leicester, barring I don't really know if there's borrowing anything else. They're going to be in the Champions League next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at it the the fifth place team at this point is who we we're talking about, Manchester United. They're at fifty three points. Leicester City's at sixty nine. Now, granted, uh, United still has a game in hand. Sure, but that's sixteen points. Even if United wins, they're thirteen points behind. Yeah, and the reason that that's important is if Leicester were somehow to fall to fifth. That's where they'd end up. I I haven't even done the math. Yeah, it's mathematically mathematically possible for that to happen. For so to fall away to fifth? Yes. Hmm. Well, the thing is, though, too, is you. I'm what I'm going to keep
3: a small eye on, though, is West Ham United because they're only two points out of fifth place and three points out of fourth place. Not to say that West Ham United's going to go to the Champions League or Europa League, but they're the only other team close enough because Southampton would have to win out, honestly, to even have a chance, even with Stoke City as well, Liverpool. I just don't see any of those guys... Uh, Doing that,
0: yeah. The th- important thing about Liverpool is they do have two games in hand. True, because of the, how they've been doing so well in the tournament. So they have an so opportunity. They, they do have an opportunity. I don't see is it, it happening. Is it Thirty-eight games, right? Thirty-eight That's games, right? And Liverpool's at thirty. So yeah, with forty-five points. So you say they let's let's say they win the next two games. That puts them at fifty-one points, so yep. it does. It does put them up there. It's certainly possible. Yeah, obviously the
3: uh, the top, probably the top nine teams in the league right now in the Premiership have an opportunity. I mean, you can make arguments about Chelsea as well, saying, hey, if they went out there at forty-four points, well.
0: A lot would have to go wrong. Talk about, though, defying all the odds. I mean, so long during the season, how many soccer pundits have we heard say there's no way Lester stays even in the top four? There's yeah. no, you know, we, we even had guests on this show say that, and you and I really didn't buy into it until, until a few games ago. But, look, they've got, they've got six games left in the season. Yep. As I said, they're sitting seven points ahead of uh, Tottenham. Uh, even with Arsenal having a game in hand, t- Arsenal, if they were to win their next game, they're only at 61 points. So mm-hmm. they're still sitting at least eight points clear of Arsenal if Arsenal wins their next game. true. So it's... Whenever you see teams this far ahead, this late in the season, they they tend to yeah,
3: win out. I have a I have a, just a, a hard time believing that the soccer gods would do all of this awesomeness <laughs> for Leicester City just to make them crash and burn well, out. Me, I, I know it's possible. I'm not gonna. I don't want to be that guy and be like, "There's no way this is gonna." Like, I know anything can happen. Somebody can get hurt. Somebody can get tossed out of a game. A weird ricochet goal. Anything
0: can happen. Well, you can say the soccer gods. I'm going to say it's the free beer and donuts. That also does help. So as what well. I'm talking about here is uh, during their game Sunday, uh, which they beat Southampton 1-0. Free beer and free donuts were given out to the fans. That's, That's the, the dream. They couldn't take the beer apparently into the stands, but they could drink it out in the in the mm-hmm. concourse. But free it was to celebrate the owner's birthday. Wow! What a nice owner. That's the way to hold on to a fan base right there. <laughs>
3: exactly. Can you imagine I bet crispy creams on top of it. By <laughs> the they way, they were crispy <laughs> creams? I. I need a Leicester City jersey. I mean, at this point, you almost want to cheer for the Jamie Vardy story because of how far he's come, honestly. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you've seen those different, you know, pictures and stuff on Facebook. of they're, they're like, hey, you know, here's like the five pictures of Vardy. You know, it's like in 2000-whatever, he was like, you know, working at a supermarket in 2000-whatever. He was in, you know, third tier, second tier, first tier, and now he's, you know, premiership, national team, all this jazz. It's, yeah. It's really a remarkable story. kind of reminds me a little bit about the uh, former St. Louis Rams, Arizona, Cardinals quarterback, Kurt Warner, as well, because he didn't get drafted, and he was right. struggling for a while, too. and he then was in the
0: Arena League with the Iowa Barnstormers. Yeah, he was
3: there. I think he actually was a beggar at a grocery store. To that's right, he been. was. Yep. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. he's now a Super Bowl winning quarterback. MVP. MVP, too, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Terrific stories. You know, and I
0: think one of the things that's great about Leicester City, this is, this is what's keeping them in check as well, is uh, Claudio Ranieri, their manager, was asked, you know, is it, is it how awesome is it to be part of this incredible story? And his response was, I haven't written anything yet. We haven't won anything yet. Exactly. So he's being a realist about this—that he's, mm-hmm. he's not letting his guys get comfortable. He's not letting them think, "All right, yeah. we, we got this." I wouldn't either if I but was. You a, can't. You, you can't be like, "Look, we're having
3: a great—you know—great run so far." And I will say this though: if Leicester City does go through the Champions League, they are going to need to spend a little bit of money and get a couple extra goal scorers because that's great that Jamie Vardy and Rahad Harries are leading the way with 19 and 16 goals respectively. But you're going to need a couple more, especially to go deep in Champions League play. You're going to need a couple more dynamic players. They've got some good other players, but if you look at the breakdown of goals, it goes 19, 16, and then it goes 5, 3, 3, 1, 1, 1, 1, Well,
0: Baxter, not only just talking about Champions League, but also dealing with playing those extra games and having to deal with the Premier League. You need the depth as
3: well, and you're going to be playing, I mean, you talk about Champions League or Europa League. You've got all those extra games, then you've got the couple tournaments, you've got the FA Cup, you've got all the other tournaments that England puts on as a whole. Exactly. So you're playing four or five seasons almost at one time, especially when you throw in all the travel with Europa or Champions
0: League. And, of as well. course, the big difference with Champions League versus Europa League is these, te- these these teams get a heck of a lot more money being in Champions League. Exactly. So they'll have more of that income to spend, whereas Europa League tends to be a thorn in the English side because you don't get that much money. and yep. a, and, and a lot of the clubs see it as a burden that end up, being in Europa League. Agreed.
3: No, I completely agree with you on that one. So do we want to jump fully on the Leicester City train? I I like jumping on the underdog train in this situation. I think that, I mean, obviously when a good club is good, I want to support them and be like, hey, you know, go for that. But that's the great part about Leicester City. And it does beg the question, though, too, if, you know, there was a an MLS playoff like what Leicester City, you know, like with the Premier League at the end of the year, how would they do against those same, you know, four or eight teams, you know, consistently like that? So Leicester City definitely... uh Keep an eye on them as they continue to go along as well. Uh, last piece of news that we wanted to hit on before we go to a break involves a household name in the U.S. soccer world. And uh, now not only is she a household name, she is a household name at the police station as well. As uh, Abby Wambach found herself uh, arrested early Sunday morning by the police in Portland, Oregon. Uh, Portland, never any good there. Uh, charged, She was charged with driving under the influence. And uh, Wambach has accepted full responsibility about it. She uh, was charged. Just at a friend's house for dinner, and had a little too much to drink, and uh, you know, ran a red light. That's what spurred the officer to pull her over. In the beginning, she wasn't. There was no swerving or anything about that. She just ran a red light. The officer happened to be there and tagged her, and. Uh, She did offer a statement about it, though. She said, uh, those that know me know that I have always demanded excellence for myself. I have let myself and others down. I take full responsibility for my actions, among other
0: things that she says. But she is very remarkable about it. The most important thing is she says, this is all on me. Now, you know me, Baxter. I I admittedly am not much of a Womback fan. Yes, yep. Um, And when I first heard about this, I'll be honest, my, my first thought was, yeah, of course, of course, Abby. Would yeah. do something like this. Uh, I give her tons of credit for doing what most athletes don't do, and that's, that's coming out and yeah. taking full responsibility for it. So, uh, you know, Abby Wambach, I, as I said, I, I give you a lot of credit for this. Now, that said, if you are a person you are out at a party, it is ridiculous in this time and age to be driving drunk, to be driving buzz, to be driving 100%. under the influence, you've Absolutely. got Uber, you've got Lyft. Lyft. You've, of course, you still have the taxis. Taxi, yeah. and, and this happens in Portland, Oregon. I've, obviously, I've been out there a few times sure. now. There, there are so many more transportation choices out there. You've got mm-hmm. the street rail out there. Uh, their buses run quite late. So there's, even if you didn't want to do Uber or a taxi, you can hop on these. So... <laughs> Mm. It's it's a it's a stupid choice. I agree. For I anybody agree. who there's does no, it, it's stupid. And no and, and that's not saying that if you're in a place where you don't have those options that it's okay. No. Find an alternative. Exactly. It's you know?
3: okay to just stay where you're at or call a favor or just or even walk, for goodness sake. So,
0: you figure she runs a red light? Yeah. I mean, she got lucky that she didn't hit anybody and and exactly. not kill anybody else or herself in yep. the situation.
3: No, I completely agree with you on that one. Yeah. You're definitely glad that this was the only uh damage done. Absolutely. So, uh, the other the side thing, though, to go along with that, though, is Alejandro Bedoya and Josie Eltador have been having a little fun, and uh, Bedoya has been getting some backlash on Twitter as well from some fans, basically right. saying, you know, you're a, you're a garbage player, Why, you don't have any reason to be commenting on this at all, and he was, just, and he had some good points in the fact that he's like, oh, I I didn't realize that. Because we're athletes, we're infallible, and we can, you know, do no wrong, even though if we do do wrong, you know, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Well, and yeah. he
0: was making a point. Now, I want to say this before I go on because I don't want people getting upset with us. We, yep. we came out and did a Facebook Live video, and, and we talked about how we agree with the woman yeah. um, suing U.S. Soccer right now that they should be paid the same. So yep. keep that in mind with this comment I'm about to say. A couple of fans came out and said, hey, wait a second. If this happens to a male player— you know, people give them all kinds of grief mm-hmm. for it. Agreed. So, you know, we're talking about equal rights. There's also equal consequences. Exactly. And and even though she came out and said, this is all on me, let's, get, let's treat her like we would treat any other professional mm-hmm. athlete and call her out for doing what she did. I agree. And, of course, Bedoya's big comment <laughs> was, hey... Maybe must you should have, play not a, blame it on a, a foreign player's must have been a foreign talent. Foreign player's yeah. fault. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, that
3: was definitely by far the best. Josie Altador said should have used one of the team vans. LOL. Which of
0: course re- goes back to uh, when Hope Solo and her husband <laughs> were driving <laughs> U.S. soccer vans while they were drunk.
3: Uh, I mean, Bedoya did offer like later on in some of his tweets saying, "Look, I do stand with you know with the women, and I do stand with what's going on." And that is another thing, though, too. We have heard just going back to a new segment that we did talk about earlier in the week when we did our pod special we've had we've heard guys like Landon Donovan and Tim Howard and other big names come out and say hey i totally support what the women are doing so it is nice to see that there is a blanket coverage across
0: yeah you know and I, the last thing i want to say is for those fans going after Bedoya saying hey this was this is the worst day of your life of her life how can you go out and do something like this to her look it's the worst day of your life if a family member dies mm-hmm. uh, something tragic happens to you it is might it be the worst day of her life? Yes, but she chose to do that. Exactly. This isn't this isn't something that was out, this of, her out of her control. Exactly. So if you're sitting there saying that he shouldn't be going after her or making comments because of the situation she was in, folks, she put herself in that situation. You 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 opened the door for
3: people I to give you. I Completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah, it's very interesting to hear. Uh, where everybody falls on the sides of the fence with this one. So, all right, we're going to jump to a break. When we come back, our Women's Soccer Spotlight will be here. Christine Naren of the Washington Spirit will be here to join us, and uh, we'll chat a little bit about soccer and uh, a different derby as she knows it, uh, down in Australia. We'll talk about that more right after this on 2 Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front presented by Sports Radio America. I'm your host, Baxter Colburn, joined by Simon Provan. On the line with us now for our women's soccer spotlight is Washington Spirit midfielder Christine Narin. She joins us on the phone from the great state of Washington. Welcome to the program. How are you, Christine? I'm good. Thanks for having me. You are very welcome. So you guys are rolling through preseason right now, and things seem to be looking good. You are two and zero in the preseason. Uh, the spirit, everybody looks to be doing pretty well. And uh, how are things looking on your end from uh, your perspective?
1: Yeah, it's been a good uh, three weeks of preseason. I can't believe this is already our third week. Uh, but the team's doing really well. We're just learning each other's uh, strengths and weaknesses, and you know, learning our style of play and the way uh, Jim wants to you know structure our new team and you know, uh, I'm excited to be on board. I'm excited for a new coach and for him to be, bring new things to the table. And, you know, to be honest, I'm I'm excited for the season to get started because uh, we've been kicking each other for the past three weeks and <laughs> I think it would be fun to kick someone else. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, you mean that in the nicest way possible, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we actually had a chance to speak with Jim uh, a couple weeks ago on the program and he was very complimentary about the team. And, uh, Everything was starting to just kind of come together at that point. You, you ladies, had just reported for camp at that point, so he, uh, I'm sure, has a a little bit different tune by this point. But uh, preseason, as we mentioned, going well for you guys. You're two and zero in preseason. You actually just took on your alma mater uh, just this last a uh, couple days ago and uh, scored against them as well. Was that a little bittersweet to play to play against Penn State like that?
1: Yeah, it was a little bittersweet. I think um, you know it's always always hard to play against an old team, an old college of yours, but um you know at the end of the day we're just trying to get better each and every every game that we have and you know we we've planned very tough opponents on our schedule with Penn State UVA, um and Duke so i think those will be the best teams in in our area that can um prepare us for this for this uh season so i think you know if we continue to play the way, the way we have been and the way i know we're capable of i think you know we'll we'll get right into the season you know and hit the ground running
3: Talking with Washington Spirit midfielder Christine Nairn here on 2UpFront. Now, Christine, you spent some time in the NWSL before the Washington Spirit with a team called the Seattle Reign. A few folks may have heard of them. They've got uh, some semi-notable players, if you if you uh, <laughs> catch the sarcasm there. But uh, talk a little bit about your experience with the Reign, uh, as they've kind of been a dominant team in the league since day one, really.
1: Yeah, um... You know, I got drafted from the Seattle Rain or I'm sorry, from Penn State to the Seattle Rain and um, I was fortunate enough to, you know, live out my childhood dream of becoming a professional soccer player, so, um, you know, to be drafted West Coast wasn't, you know, uh, in the plans, but, you know, Seattle was a great first home for me, a great first professional season for me, and I'm happy, you know, to say that I played for the Rain and played for Coach Harvey and, you know, with the likes of... Jess Jeff hope um, Hulk Solo—all of those players are just top-notch. So um, that was great to learn from them for one season. Um, but you know, it was—it was nice in the off-season to be traded back home and to be able to play in front of friends and family. Week in, week out, is something you know it's very special to me and very important to me because you know, family is a big part of you know my life, and you know, to be able to represent them on the professional stage is you know something that. I think doesn't happen very often, and I get to live out in my upcoming third year with the Spirit. So, um, you know, I never forget where, you know, Seattle picked me up and and gave me a shot for my first year. But um, Washington Spirit is home, and I'm excited to get started with them this
3: season. Speaking of being at home, too, you had the opportunity to go a little bit, bit of abroad as well. You spent some time in the uh, out in Australia in the W League as well, playing for Melbourne Victory. Now, for those that don't know, there's two different teams in Melbourne as well. For the, us that don't know the difference between the two, Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City, can you explain the difference? Is it kind of like a Manchester United-Manchester City rivalry, or is it just two friendly clubs?
1: Uh, that is exactly what it is. That's the best <laughs> way I think you can put it, um, because Man City... In England, actually owns uh, Melbourne City, Ah. so I feel like that's the best way I've heard it described, and I think you know the easiest way to understand it. Um, And you know, Victory has been around. I think it's one of the founding clubs um, in the W League in Australia, so they have a lot of history. I think they've won it once. I want to say two years ago, Um, so they have the taste of the championship right in front of them, and you know. What City did is they opened up a brand new team this year and just brought in a lot of the Matildas, a lot of great international players, such as Kim Little, Jen Beattie, and yep. Jeff Um So, you know, if you bring in those type of players along with the Matildas, I think it just was the perfect recipe for success. And, you know, I went to a lot of their games and it was great to see another women's team in the same city and to support them you know, regardless of it being a different team, but to be able to support girls that I play with at the uh, Seattle rain and, you know, any way I can help, fun, uh you know, push women's soccer, I'm going to do it. So, um, just to be able to watch them play in, in the same city with something unique. And I think it doesn't happen very often. So, um, there's always, always, always going to be a little bit of a chip on our shoulder when mm-hmm. uh, we play city or city plays us. Um, like I said, it's the the like you said, it's the Manchester United Man City rivalry. It's everyone has that that game marked on their calendar, and you know they're counting down the days already. So, um, you know, I've I've been fortunate enough to represent the victory for the past two years. Um, and I hope to be back this season, so um, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, having that game on my calendar and circling it red. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and uh, hopefully, hopefully it'll
3: come out a little bit different this year. Oh, okay, yeah, and that was the the next thing I was going to kind of ask you, too, between the that derby that you've had a chance to play in as well, but also just playing in the NWSL and in the W League in Australia, what are some of the differences that you've noticed, because I feel like both leagues are obviously incredibly talented with the ladies that are in there, but... Something maybe has to stick out between each league that it's like, you know, this league doesn't have this or something of that nature. Is there any really defined differences or are they pretty similar?
1: Um, they're they're very similar. Um you know, the players wanna wanna play and, you know, they wanna put their stamp on the game, but I think the biggest difference is the style of play between the American league and the Australian league. I mm. think you know, um, the American League has been around for, I think, three three rounds of different different leagues. So, um, what you can expect in the American League, it's going to be fast. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be strong. At the same time, they're going to want to possess the ball and, and keep it. Um, and I think that Australia, the Australian League has shown spurts of, you know, keeping the ball and everything like that. But I think as a W League, I think it still has, you know, room to grow, as every league does. Um, to continue to attract big name players, such yes, as, yep. Um, all the Matildas, all I mean, all, every American wants to go play in the Australian League in the off season. Um, so for them to continue to push and continue to develop as a as a country of, of soccer, I think uh, the possibilities are endless. And for the Matildas to be named, I think, a top five team in the in the world mm. is is just gonna benefit everyone involved. And, that you is, know, yeah to be a part and important to be a part of and exciting to be a part of so um i'm more than happy to help build both leagues in any way i can and you know hopefully be back next season
3: as i said well that's very commendable of you now changing gears now for a moment um from the club level to the national level you've only appeared for the senior women's national team twice for the united states but uh you did score a goal uh, against canada but it's been seven years since you scored that goal Uh, <laughs> not to not to rub salt in the wound, but uh, why haven't why, why haven't we seen you in the on the national team more recently? Just due to the new influx of young players. Not that you're that old to begin with, but
1: uh,
3: what's uh, <laughs> yeah. what's been going on with that?
1: Um, you know, I think that the the pool of players is just getting bigger and bigger as this week goes on. Um, you know, Jill has done a great job of bringing in uh, new players and giving the players a chance. I actually um, had to miss the first. Uh, Melbourne victory, Melbourne uh, City game due to being called into national team camp uh, with a full team this past, I think it was uh, October. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it's kind of bittersweet of missing the the first derby game versus you know going to a camp with the U.S. Women's national team is ranked number one in the world. So uh, I couldn't complain too much. Absolutely but, know, <laughs> to be able to. You know, even even being on the same field as those uh, those women um, for a week was, was something that I've learned tremendous amounts about myself as a player and, you know, as a person. So um, I'm looking to hopefully get called in again. I think that's always the goal of a professional athlete is to, you know, always push for that next level. And, you know, I think um, you never know. I mean, the Olympics are coming up you know, the teams, there's some older players on the team, so you never know, you know, my my job right now is to just continue to keep my head down, work hard with the spirit, and if that gives me a call up, you know, that's great, but I'm going to continue to work hard for my team right now and my club, and, you know, try to try to be the best for my team, so I think that's my first goal, right in front of me, but the national team, and pushing for that—it will always be in the back
3: of my mind. Absolutely, and I'm sure that's something Coach Jim loves to hear too, knowing that uh, one of his most talented midfielders is going to continue to do everything she can to uh, make the team great. Now, I'm curious from a perspective that uh, you know you've spent some time with the—you've been in the U.S national team system for a long long time even back to when you're the young age of nine but one thing i've always wondered uh, on the men's side we always hear you know usa mexico is a huge you know big rivalry who is the the clear defined rival for the women's national team is it canada is it mexico is it a team like germany that we've seen so many times do you do you happen to have any insight into that at all
1: um i think in in concacaf uh i would definitely say it's canada um I think, you know, in, you know, Europe, you you have, like, your pick, really. Is it France? Is it Germany? Is it, you know, Sweden at times? Or, you know, in the Oceanic region, mm-hmm. is it Australia now? Is it Japan? I mean, take your pick. I think that's what's so great about women's soccer is that every time a team sees the U.S. on their schedule, they have the best game of, of their history. Yeah. And I think You know, for the U.S. to have the the, the, uh, the target on their back, um, it's just going to be beneficial for everyone involved. And, you know, I would would love to see the U.S. play against every country and, you know, really define who the rivalry is. But, you know, the U.S. is going to bring it game in and game out. I think it's just, you know, what team is going to be able to capitalize on the U.S. on that day. And, you know, at times I thought, you know, Australia was a very good team. In this past World Cup, I thought, you know, Germany showed moments of brilliance, so did France. Uh, but I think it'll take a a full team effort and a very good game from the opposition to take down the U.S. But, you know, they're not bulletproof. They're, they're, you know, they're human too. So I think that whoever the U.S. plays, they're gonna, you know, you're gonna get a good game and it's so exciting to watch the U.S. women's play.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, they are a tremendous team to watch and something that has really inspired the next generation of uh, women's soccer players. All right, well, before we let you go, Christine, uh, opening day just a couple weeks away for you ladies. Uh, You take on the Boston Breakers at home and then you go on the road for two games and then you go take on some teams like Portland and Houston. Uh, aside from opening day, I'm sure where all the jitters can finally be getting out, and you can finally uh, tackle and hit a few people from the other team instead of your teammates. Uh, is there a couple of games on the schedule this season where you just have them circled, kind of like that that derby that you were talking about with Melbourne?
1: Ah, uh, yeah. Um, to be honest, every team that we play against, we always get a good game. I think you know there's only ten teams in this league so far. Um. But, you know, you're always going to want to play against the best teams and see how you get, see how what result you get to uh, really compare yourself to, you know, the best in the world. So I think the first uh, opening weekend is definitely circled. We want to, you know, impress our fans. We want to sell out the uh, soccer flex. We want to put on a show for whoever comes and watches us play. I think um, when we play Portland against Mark, that's going to be an mm-hmm. emotional game you know, Mark did such a great job for us at D C but you know, he moved on and, you know, we're excited to have Jim and I think Jim's excited to play against anyone. Like I said, he kicked somebody else besides ourselves. Um and another one, we always want to play Seattle. I think, you know, we've we've gone to the playoffs two years in a row and unfortunately didn't get the result but, you know, we they've proven to be one of the one of the best teams in the league and one of the best teams in the world. So you always wanna Uh, play against them and see if you can get three points out of the match. And, you know, if you don't, you know, you can always go back to the drawing board and say, how can we get better? And I think Jim does such a great job with that, of always going back to say, what can we control? What can we do better? And that's exactly the type of program that I want to be a part of.
3: That's fantastic. Well, Christine, we really appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your busy schedule. The Washington Spirit Open Day against the Boston Breakers at home, April 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Washington Spirit, Boston Breakers. Go check it out if you are in the area. If not, definitely find a streaming channel or a social media platform to follow the game as well. Christine Naren, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for
3: having me. You're very welcome. Alright, we're going to run to a break. When we come back, we've got more here on Two Up Front. Stay with us and don't go anywhere. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right. We just heard from Christine Naren of the Washington Spirit and U.S. Women's International. Great chance to speak with her and hear a little bit more about the uh, the Melbourne Derby down there in Australia as well. And hear her comparing and contrasting of the NWSL and also what it's like to play in the uh, the W League as well down in Australia. So, But, Simon, now we actually move from one interview to another. We have another exciting gentleman here. Who do we have with us now? we
0: got uh, Wisconsin Lutheran College women's soccer head coach, Mr. Tony Pierce. Tony, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much. So it's like we're continuing our women's soccer we spotlight are. this week. In a way, we are,
3: yeah. It's a two-parter almost this week. So, Tony, we're excited to have you on the program. Uh, Simon and I know you personally because I went to Wisconsin Lutheran. Simon still works here. Uh, I've had a chance to watch you from the coaching perspective. I know Simon uh, knows you a little bit more before when you were just yeah. do, doing your playing days as well. So right. uh, why don't we talk a little bit about the coaching season right now? Uh, you you guys have a couple couple months still until opening day for you. Uh, September 1st, I believe, is, is opening day, I believe, against yeah, I uh, Lake right Park. Around, yeah. So uh, you've been now here at Wisconsin Lutheran for a total of six years. You were here for a couple of years, took a couple of years off. Now you're back again. So you're, you're four years back into the process of everything, and um, can you kind of give us a little synopsis of how last season went and how we're looking going into this year? Yeah, last year we uh,
2: we had a young team and really kind of unproven team, and as we've been going through and the growth process, kind of changing the culture of um, you know what the women's soccer program is about here at WLC. Um, you know, we went through some growing pains, and uh, last year, I think our team was was a tight unit, but uh, we just had to learn each other and, and what it was about to play together, um, and we took our lumps, and we played some quality teams, you know, I think we had three teams that were in the top 25 in the country, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, maybe we uh, jumped the gun a little bit by scheduling those guys, but... Uh, you know i want us to be able to compete with those play, you know those those teams and our players to see what it's like to be in that environment and and like i said for us to be able to handle it and uh so um this coming season uh the girls have been working hard in the off season we're started our um, non-traditional season last week and uh everybody's on board everybody's been working hard they've been involved in uh the PEP program over at uh, Freighter that's Twi- huge okay yeah and uh, it's you can tell that it's helped them it's helping build their confidence and uh, so it's just an exciting
3: time mm-hmm. absolutely yeah it's definitely uh, you can t- you can sense the feeling a little bit now I mean when you look at a team on paper, it's different than what you as a coach see day in and out because on paper, from anybody to stepping back, it's like you look at how the last four seasons have gone, and unfortunately, they've progressively gotten worse if you look at them on paper. But as a coach, you have a different insight. You've seen some fantastic ladies come and go. You've weeded out those players that maybe were just there for a different agenda and now are here, and you've got your, your core group of ladies. And I do feel, at least from the conversations we were having even off air as well, it sounds like you're you're really gung-ho on this group of ladies that you've got coming in but i mean last season you finished ninth in conference you finished two and eight overall in conference but moving into this season you've got obviously another tough slate of games as always but uh um, what is do you have i know it's still very early you haven't finished all the recruiting process and everything yet too but what is your your pre message to your gals right now well it's a, it's really about
2: you know just being the best we can be and uh You know, that's all anybody can ever ask of, you know, a player is just do your best. And uh, with that, I think we'll have some results, but also the time that they've put in, you know, in the weight room, uh, you know, playing indoor on their own, getting together for some kick arounds. All those things are going to come into play and I think help us next season as we step onto the field. I think we're going to surprise some teams. Um, We still, you know, are looking to uh, finish – uh, you know some goals. We we we've increased a little bit of point production, but it's still not you know what we need to be successful. And I think with the attitude and with the girls uh, working in the off season, they're gonna see you know that they're healthier, that they're able to uh, just compete um, with other teams, fight for balls, win some things, and then you know good things are gonna happen, which hopefully puts us in a you know a little better position than we have been in the past. Mm -hmm. Tony,
0: I know you stated that one of your goals is to get in the conference tournament this year. What do you have to do to get there? Well,
2: again, it's, you know, we have to not give up as many goals as we have in the past. We've, um, you know, it seems like at times we've had some mental lapses where you give up one and now all of a sudden you give up three, you know, and and that has to stop. But, uh, you know, I believe that That'll happen for us this coming year. We'll we'll tighten things up, but then again, it comes down to scoring some goals to where we can be competitive and and you know
3: let teams know that we're on the field with that we're they're in for a battle. Is that a personnel issue in terms of like the the people that you have on the team, or is it the teams that you're playing that you have those struggles?
2: Well, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I I, I think. Depending on you know who you're playing and where you're playing them, you know you look at let's say Lake Park, you know we we talked or excuse me Lake Forest, mm-hmm. you know a large portion of their roster are also hockey players, you know and so when you when you get on <laughs> can the, be intimidating when yeah. you <laughs> get on the when it, when you get onto the turf with them, you know the game is very fast it's you know and they come at you and just keep coming after you mm-hmm. and they're very physical. You know, when we've had them at our place, you know, the result has been a little different. Where the grass is a little bit slower, the mm-hmm. game slows down, and our field's a little bigger, and so we're able to spread it out and avoid some of that contact. You know, but like I said, now I think as our girls begin, you know, their second really second year of lifting in the off season and getting themselves stronger, the physical side of it doesn't become a you know a, as big of a factor.
3: <clears throat> Absolutely. No, I, I completely agree.
0: Yeah, you know, moving on to a more general question. We talked about this a little bit, but this is a Division 3 school that you coach at. So, uh, I'm curious about w- what some of the extra challenges are. You don't have scholarships to offer, no Division 3 school ever does. So, how does that make it different with recruiting versus being a Division 2 or Division 1 school?
2: Well, yeah, you know, at the Division One level, if you're, you know, you offer a player some money, everybody thinks that, oh, you know, there's scholarships out there and stuff. But in reality, you know, at the Division One level, on the men's side, there's 9.9 scholarships for a fully funded program. And for women, there's 14. And so um, it's not a lot when, you know, but you get... Even just if you offer somebody, hey, we can pay you, you know, $500 for books, hmm. then they're able to say, hey, I'm getting a scholarship. You sure, know? sure. And that makes everybody feel better. But, um, you know, let's face it, at the Division Three level, the, sc- the girls that are coming in, you know, the school actually has some great academic scholarships that are out there. Absolutely. And I don't care whether, you know, hey, however you're getting the money to help, you know, alleviate the, the stress of the cost of the, you know, school is wonderful. But, you know, our presidential scholarship is $15,000, cuts cost of school in half, and, and that's just tremendous, you know, so... Trying to get them to understand that, that, okay, it's not athletic, but it still is a scholarship that Mm -hmm. you've earned. By doing well in school, you know, you're going to receive this money, and so, you know, you should be proud of that. You know, those merit scholarships are huge.
0: Yeah, and there's also something to be said, too, about having a smart person be on your team, (laughs) on on the field, because generally that means they're going to be a smart player as well it helps that's for sure yeah i mean i can
3: attest to that though too tony i mean that's the reason i ended up here at wlc is because i was i was recruited you know by the men's soccer coach but then i was offered just a very good financial aid package you know and and i knew going in for division three it was like hey we can't offer you an athletic scholarship but we can offer you other scholarships based off of how you did and ultimately that's why i chose to go here i mean the program looked like a lot of fun but also you know i i knew when i got out of college in four years that i wouldn't have as big a debt (laughs) as i was (laughs) as i was going to And, and that's the that's the thing you accept to go into a Division three school, regardless of how big or small the program is, regardless of how successful it is. Be like, look, I'm here because a, I love soccer, I love it, love it, love it, and b, I'm going to be getting an education. Like that's more so a focus. as Yeah, well. the okay. bottom line,
2: you know, is is exactly that. That you know, you're going to walk away getting an education, and uh, you know, the soccer experience is going to be is going to be enjoyable. It's going to be good. It just really helps supplement mm-hmm. the educational side, but. Um, Yeah, you know, there's a place for everybody. I mean, you know, regardless of where you are on the spectrum, there's a place for you to play in this country, you know, at the collegiate level. Exactly. And, uh, you know, here we are trying to, uh, you know, find players that help us get better. But, uh, you know, to answer Simon's question, it's tough. You know, it's tough to get um, the players to understand that, hey, you know, you can have – Really, the best of all worlds by coming to a Division Three program, um, the one thing and even when I was coaching at the Division one level, um, and I tell it even to the gals that come in, our recruits, I say, "Hey, you know the one thing you have to ask yourself is if you get hurt tomorrow and you can 't play anymore exactly do you still want to be at school here you know and if the answer is yes, then you 're in the right spot mm-hmm. you know, and so many players go away or go somewhere to play because of a scholarship and yet when they get hurt now they're lost and they don't want to be there, and it's you know some problems yep. creep up. That's so. exactly
3: what happened to me too. I mean, my freshman year, I played most of my freshman season. Then I broke my foot, and then I was originally from Florida. And here I am in Milwaukee, never been before, and I'm like, hmm. I mean, I and then I, I was able to meet enough professors, and ultimately my wife, which certainly helped uh, me wanting to stay. So, but yeah, you're right though. That's that's definitely the thing at this stage. It's like, hey, if you look. Obviously, from the academic perspective, it's like soccer is that added bonus. Like, hey, I'm going to get a great edu- education, but I'm going Keep playing the game I love as well. Right. So, well, Tony, we know that from a from a coaching perspective, you also do other things in the Wisconsin area aside from the college area. You you coach at a couple other places in there. Is that right?
2: Well, I, I do some work with uh, Pewaukee Sussex United. I'm actually my title is a uh, director of select soccer, but um, Brian Staus is the director of coaching there, and I'm kind of under him. Okay, and I I help with uh, coaching education and uh, just really trying to help their program. It's a, a young program. The two communities came together about four years ago, and um, they're working through some of those bugs. And, uh, yeah, so it just kind of, you know, being able to give back some experience um, that I have in the game and that I've been through and um, help share, um, you know, some of that knowledge Hopefully, you know, they think it's <laughs> enough, but we'll see. I would assume uh, so. Yeah, would assume yeah, yeah, so. But, uh, you know, I, I love it. I, I, You know, obviously, I love the game, been around it for so many years, and, you know, it's been great to me, and, uh, you know, I just I can't say enough. So anytime I can be involved, you know, it's enjoyable regardless of what level it is.
0: So speaking of playing the game, you had won a, a championship back in the 80s, a national championship with UConn. Where you were obviously the starting goalkeeper, but along with that, I was when I was a young lad, Tony, about five, six, seven, you know, <laughs> up through my teens. Oh, I thought you were gonna say five or six <laughs> years ago. I was like, yeah, yeah. okay, so I, sure. I remember remember going to Milwaukee Wave games, and one of my favorite players to watch was this young goalkeeper, number thirty-one. That's correct. His name was Tony Pierce. Mm. <laughs> uh, you bet. You played indoor soccer when it was in its heyday. It was it was the thing that kept professional soccer alive in this country. Um, you know, people such as Baxter's age, Mm -hmm. really don't get how big indoor soccer was at that time. Still don't, no. (laughs) Even (laughs) after all the research and everything, I'm like, (laughs) I don't understand the draw. What is it? Well,
2: it's interesting, Simon, that you mentioned, you know, kind of, uh, you know, bridging that gap between the old NASL and then, you know, when MLS uh, came about and... uh, it was, yeah, it was a blast when I came out of college, you know the n a s l went under, and so indoor was where those players flooded into, and uh it was it was a blast, it really was, and I was fortunate enough to end up here in Milwaukee and uh you know from day one it it was a ton of fun. We watched the thing grow from playing in the auditorium, you know mech auditorium, to the arena to the Bradley Center, and... Uh, Let me
0: just jump in for the people listening to the show. So that w- that went from playing in a place that was about 2,000 seats yeah. to about 10,000 seats in the Bradley Center. I think is seventeen thousand, eighteen thousand, 17,000,
2: 18,000. About 18,000, yeah. And we, you know, I think we averaged, when we were at the Bradley Center, we averaged around 12,000. Yeah. There were, a f- you know, probably wow. 10, <laughs> 10, 12 games that we uh, sold the place out. I have some nice photos from the rafters where, you know, the place would be rocking, and uh, so... Ton of fun, but no, you know, it, it was a great time. And, you know, like you said, uh, guys that you were playing against would be, you know, had played for their national team. Guys like Johan Nieskens, who had played for Holland in the 74 78 World Cup. Uh, Bern Heltzenbein, who had played for West Germany, hmm. you know, and uh, amongst others, you know, but uh, it was a treat. And, you know, here you are. You know, I, at that time I was 23, and just like. <laughs> you know, after the game, you go up and you're shaking the guys. Hand. It was a pleasure to be on your f- on the field today with you. you know? <laughs> it was like, oh my word! But uh, you know, it, 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 our rivalry between Chicago at that time, that had you know Carl uh, Heinz Grenitzer and uh, Brett Hall and some other guys that mm-hmm. you know Michael Richardson, who eventually uh, finished his career in in Milwaukee and. But just really talented guys, and and it was fun. The games were were intense, and uh, you know the the way the ball was held and the ball moved, and just a lot of fun. Like I said, I can't say it enough. It was a, it really was. It was a pleasure, and it was one of those things I had always dreamed of. Um, you know, playing professional soccer, and so I got to live it for 10 years. It was great. Mm
0: -hmm. And I got to imagine as a goalkeeper, in some ways, the indoor game is a lot more fun to play than the outdoor game. Different, you know, yeah.
2: You know, outdoor is kind of that purest. you know, Mm -hmm. you think about it, but uh, I love grass and, you know, being outside and some different things you have to deal with outside, dealing with crosses and stuff, but indoor, you're involved probably every thirty to forty-five seconds. You're getting a touch on the ball, whether it's with your feet or with your hands, and then obviously things are much closer. So, uh, reaction saves uh, become uh, more prevalent. You know, outdoor game. If you make twelve saves a game, you're busy. You know, indoor game. You're that making, was a slow <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, twelve saves. You're like nothing. You didn't do anything. You were on the bench. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. So you know, but though, yeah. Heck, man. It, 25 saves in a game, 30 saves, you know, and uh, you earned your money for sure. Mm-hmm. It was it was crazy. The end of uh, my my first year in Milwaukee, um, I wasn't used to training, kind of day of the game. You know, we would train in the morning if we had a seven o'clock game and stuff like that. You know, going and just being learning to be a professional. But I had lost. I I came into the team at about 100 and. 75 180 pounds and uh, by the end of that first season I was down to about 164 pounds wow (laughs) so I I I played 33 of 40 games that year and uh, I would you know I'm like oh my gosh the trainer took me into the doctor and stuff and they're like well you're at about three percent body fat we got to get some weight on you. we got to, you know and then from then on I you know managed to um, (laughs) lift a little bit and you know start eating a little better and that type of thing and played the rest of my career at about one Eighty-five. So, but, okay, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. Yeah, it was yeah
0: great. I love, I love going to the games, watching them, and it's uh, you know a pleasure to have you on. And I want to say one little thing: Milwaukee Waves is still around. Granted, mm-hmm. you know, indoors not as big as it was, obviously with the outdoor game becoming uh, so big in this country, but uh, Milwaukee Wave's still around, and I want to say something. Tony Pierce's number deserves to be retired. I've said that for a number of Amen years. To that. Again, <laughs> even before I met you, Tony, I've always been confused about that, so if anybody from the Wave is listening to this, get Tony Pierce's number retired. That's well-deserved. <laughs> <Yeah>. well, <laughs> well, Tony, appreciate we
3: appreciate that. you being on, sir. It was a, uh, a distinct pleasure, as always, and uh, I know I always enjoyed chatting with you as well during the, yeah. during the college days as well, and uh, certainly one of those coaches that I... Uh, I would have loved to have been able to have a chance to play for it at some point. Oh so. well, well, thank you very
2: much. Appreciate you guys, and uh, no, it's wonderful being here anytime. Love yeah, to come back. We'd love to, yeah, I'd yeah. love to
0: have you back on. And for any of those high school seniors out there wondering where should I go to college, WLC <laughs> is a beautiful campus Especially with a, a with a great coach and is yeah. uh, looking very <laughs> goalie. and is looking to to do some great things with its women's soccer team. So. So talk to Tony Pierce. Find Absolutely. his email. Send him an email.
3: Yes, indeed. All right, we're going to run to a break. When we come back, Simon and I are going to take a little bit of a look back at what the week was in Major League Soccer, see how my revs did, how his timbers did. I don't know if he's going to want to talk about that, but we will talk about it and uh, see what we've got going forward as well. We're going to go to a break. We'll be back with more on 2UpFront right after this. Welcome back inside the studio for another exciting edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. And I am Simon Provan. All right, we've had a, a, we had two interviews, Simon, back-to-back. It was wonderful. Had a chance to speak with Christine Narin of the Washington Spirit and U.S. Women's National Team. And we just spoke with Wisconsin Lutheran College women's soccer coach Tony Pierce and long longtime Milwaukee Wave goalkeeper and apparently a Yukon. coach. Uh, UConn uh, Huskies, not a Husker. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> God, I'm mixing my colleges yes, here. Yes. yes. So uh, some really exciting and uh, great interviews back to back. So that was uh, a unique and always exciting experience to have those folks on.
0: Yeah, just remember Nebraska grows the corn. Yukon Huskies come and eat the corn. Ah, there we go. Works. There we go. You know, it was, it was it, it, we had a nice little chat off air as Tony was leaving too, and he, he made the point of. That generation of professional players is a forgotten generation, and it's true because it is, yeah. so many of those guys are are still out there doing wonderful things. Um, Zoran Savic is back at Sporting KC. Him and Hector Marinero were were the uh, two big guys with the Marinera's Cleveland Crunch. Really his last yes, name? yes. Oh my lord! Uh, those two guys were superstars in that league. Uh, obviously, Tony's here at WLC. Larry Sunderland, who played with the Wave as well, sure. Uh, he's out with the Portland Timbers now, uh, and. You have to um there was a DC United assistant coach, I think he may still be there, Chad Ashton, I believe his name was. Hmm. Uh he played both for the old Colorado Foxes and the old A League, but he also wow. he also spent a lot of time indoors. In many ways, these guys are responsible for MLS having a life. Uh you know, when MLS first came out, they leaned heavily on the indoor players. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, they had their, their star players like Carl, Carlos Valderrama, but they relied heavily on the indoor players to come in and, and play in MLS. Uh, and in many ways, those guys kind of got pushed aside after the league finally started to grow, yeah, which, which is which unfortunate is to, to see. see yeah. uh, but yet, you do have guys like Larry Sunderland with Portland Timbers. He was with the Chicago Fire for quite a while. Um, you know, Tony was rattling off a list of guys. I know my brother Steve was part of that generation. Yep. Uh, you know He's a head coach over at um, a local high school, Sussex Hamilton. And they've... I've I've seen him take programs take programs uh another program South Milwaukee. They were horrible. We always played them in high school. They were horrible. My brother comes in and he makes them Contenders for the state championship That's for two, exactly or three years you in a row. Yeah, uh, and he's doing the same thing with Sussex. Not that he, actually, he took them to to state. They were two games from getting to the final. I wow, believe. Wow. Okay. Uh, not this year, but last year they beat one of the powerhouse schools. So these guys know what the game is. Mm-hmm. They know how to develop players, and hopefully, hopefully, that that generation will. When you look back. Irrespective of time at Mm -hmm. some point I'm using the wrong words there But you get my point Sure That history will look back and say Wow, this generation actually did a lot for this game That they don't get credit for I'd agree No, I completely agree with you on that one And it's
3: great to see so many players want to give back Because sometimes depending on, you know The little bit of shunning, some folks don't want to be around it. Be like, well, screw it. If you don't want me to be part of the game, fine. I don't want anything to do with the game. But, like, no, I'm going to find opportunities to still showcase the talents and skills that I made a living off of, and now I want to give back, which Mm -hmm. is great. And that's ultimately what you want to see. All right, Simon, uh, Major League Soccer, week five is in the bag, week four slash five, depending on if you played MLS Fantasy. And uh, Simon said a little bit about that. Do you want to start with fantasy, or do you want to start with how the game going? No, we are, can't. Or? You know,
0: keep in mind, this is the first year that I've done this fantasy ah, thing. So I am I There am, it is. I'm, I'm learning <laughs> the ropes. No, I'm actually, I'm not saying that to be like, hey, this is what I'm doing bad. Because I called, I called out at the beginning of the season, I'm going to be in last place. You're in second <laughs> but, right now. But no. I am in second. I'm, I'm learning the ropes. I yep. didn't know about the captain thing, so that cost me about 30 or 40 points to start the season, especially with Giovinco would, would have been the guy that True. would have captained. the um, captain. Not knowing that like this last round covered 2 weeks. I knew it covered 2 weeks, but I didn't realize that in between there you can't sub out players. Right, so I had you can you can
3: sub out a player if they are not one of the double double players. If that makes sense. See? Just learning more and more stuff. <laughs> we'll have to have a little <laughs> fantasy camp there with you with you Simon. So, uh my team got 105 yeah. points this <laughs> last week thanks to the Revolution players, Bobby Shuttleworth, got me 13. Chris Tierney got me 19. Fagundes got me 11. And uh, my ma- my main man, Maxi Arudi got me 30. He uh, scored a goal and was also my captain this week as well. And then, uh, what's his name? Jordan Harvey for Vancouver also got me 15 points. Wow. So I was very happy about that. Not thrilled by Kyle Lairn getting me one point. Or Fernando Adi getting me negative one. Latu and Marcelo Sarvas also got me each one point as well. Dylan Powers got me six points, though, after Colorado. Uh, we'll get to them, though, they, as they did take down Toronto, so that certainly was a good good victory for them. Robbie Rogers got me nine for L.A. So with that, I finally jump ahead into first place in the fantasy league that we're playing in. By, uh, by a very decent
0: amount, by the way. Yes,
3: uh, I have 274 overall points. Simon, you're in second with 243.
0: Yes, I'm going to try to take advantage of the next double round, which is going to happen not this week but the following yeah. week. So I'm going to pay more attention to that. I did a horrible Gonzalez I didn't realize they were going to arrest a, him. That was kind of bad, yeah. Yeah, so Sites played for FC Dallas. Otherwise, I would have gotten some decent points from from Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Borchers, I got a point. Uh, Goodson was injured, so he, he, nothing there. It was just a bad week for me. I had a Rudy at least starting. That Those were the good points that I got, but a uh, Captain Giovinco again. Um, I had Laren starting this at top as well. I got some decent points from Caldwell, which was a bit nice surprise. Uh, Vanger, Wanger, however you say it, for Houston, did nothing for me. Ship was a surprising disappointment. Yeah. Uh, Stairs from L.A. and Legit from L.A. got me a few points as well. But uh, you know, I think I said it early on, don't take fantasy advice from me because I am still don't know how it all works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still figuring
3: out this fantasy thing. <laughs> plenty of time. I'm probably going to try to go get David Ousted this week, even though I've got Bobby Shuttleworth and he's done well, but I might want to have Ousted on my team just to have him. The,
0: the one thing I did do...
3: Is I finally got a game up on you and our predictions. It's true you did. It's a shame that doesn't count in the fantasy world. Uh but yes, our predictions this last week. Uh we'll go back through obviously and let you know how the game's played accordingly. Simon went five and five on the week. I went four and six. So congratulations, Simon, to finally we we've we've drawn every week. Aside from now, this last one.
0: Or actually, no, I'm kidding. I beat you week three. I right. Mean, I would so our overall record is I'm 16 and 30, and you're 17 and 29. So that's a good, day good day to be alive. Good day
3: to be alive. And this next week, I'm sure will make it even more complicated. So let's walk back to the week that it was: the New England Revolution and the New York Red Bulls in Viernes football or football Viernes, Friday night football on Unimas. Actually watched the game. Actually had the comment. Actually had like the broadcast up as well, so I got to listen to the broadcast. And as you said, that was the <laughs> highlight of the game. Yes, being able to listen to it because it is Chris Tierney, uh, uh, Diego Fagundes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean, I you can't. Like, it's just funny though. Like to hear them like switch back and yes, forth between yeah. the. I, I speak and stuff.
0: very very little Spanish. I do uh, too. I caught a um, couple things. My favorite thing was back in the day when Spanish TV was or mm-hmm. Spanish. Games, uh, it was just called the Mexican League then, the Primera Division. Now Mm -hmm. it's League MX. Those were some of the only soccer games we'd get, you know, so I tune in and watch. My favorite was always (laughs) Dr. Pepper. (laughs)
3: Yeah, that's the best part about it too. Or like you have some of the interviews; like they were going hard, they were going you know Spanish the entire time, and then they interviewed Jay Heaps at halftime, and the you know they're talking to the, the sideline reporter right before she walks up, and then she's like, "So, coach, how do you think the right. first <laughs> half went?" And I was
0: like, <laughs> hey, "And keep in mind, folks, we, we are not, we are not, um, you know, making fun of no. the Spanish announcers. We're making fun of ourselves when exactly. it gets down to it. <laughs> it's really
3: just it's enjoyable. It's just, it uh, is the, the
0: passion." Just the language itself. I do want to
3: learn it more It is. Spanish. It's an enjoyable it's language, language just uh, to know more about. So the Revolution, they got a goal. There's controversy all over that goal about uh, should play have stopped, should it not have stopped. There was a Red Bulls player down. Juan Agudelo played on, ended up crossing the ball across the face of goal, and Diego Fagundes doing what any outside midfielder should do. He tracked the ball, he came in back post, and he slotted it home first time nicely. And the Revolution ultimately win 1-0 their first victory of the year. Now they have six points.
0: They do, and I, we've got a lot to get through yet, so I'm just going to say this quickly. Yep. You know, I was upset with the Sporting KC. Yeah, you mentioned that with Brad Davis. Right, With uh, they were playing against Toronto FC. Yep. Um, you know, what, what got me upset about that one, and I, I will stand on this, I don't care what Alexi Lala says, <laughs> everybody stopped playing, uh, not only did Toronto stop playing, Sporting KC stopped playing. Yep. And Brad Davis saw that happen, and then he kept going. that That's the issue I have with it, is everybody had stopped playing. And this this one was different. Run of play. Everybody New was New England's going. going down. Nobody stopped playing. And if, if it's a goal-scoring opportunity, a clear goal-scoring mm-hmm. opportunity like this one was, you don't stop playing. No. You, you keep going on. If this had been like a middle-of-the-park, you know,
3: wherever kind of thing, I understand that. Stop play there, but... That was not the case this time.
0: And now I know people are going to say, well, but that there was a possible goal-scoring opportunity for sporting, and that's why they kept playing. Again, the difference was everybody stopped.
3: Literally everybody stopped. Nobody stopped. I right. think maybe one person right. stopped for this. Yep. So New England wins. They are now in the playoffs if they were to start today, but we've got a long way to go on the season. Chicago and Philadelphia. Chicago get their first victory of the year for their new head coach, their first win at home as well. The playing conditions were brutal. They couldn't make up their mind, but anybody that lives in the Midwest over the weekend knows that it was a snowstorm, it was sunny, it was a snowstorm, it was sunny, it was a blizzard, it was sunny and beach weather. It was like, what the heck? But Chicago ultimately uh, found their rhythm late in the game. If you go back and watch the highlights and watch the flow of the game as a whole, Chicago looked pretty eh in the first half, as they do most of the time. They had some really nice movement in the second half, and uh, everybody was getting involved, and they ultimately took home a 1-0 victory, and the Union started to look again like... The Philadelphia Union.
0: And then Colorado beats Toronto FC 1-0. That was one of the games I called, I called correctly. That's I am right. really starting to believe in Colorado, and there's one name that keeps coming up. Yes. Papa. Marco mm-hmm. Papa. He is the heartbeat of that team right now. I do think, as I as we had talked about in the previous show, that Toronto's starting to get heavy legs from all the heavy traveling they're doing. Agreed. Their first eight games on the road again this year because of renovations at BMO. But Marco Papa, uh, I definitely am considering having him mm-hmm. on my fantasy team. These Not next a bad weeks. guy to
3: have, yeah, especially with uh, like you said, how well he has played. And just Colorado as a whole looked looked good. They moved the ball well. Toronto didn't look that great at all, honestly. Uh, maybe one of the surprise results of the week, depending on who you talk to and who you follow. Uh, Real Salt Lake taking down Sporting Kansas City two to one. They were leading two nil in this game. They looked dominant. Yel Plata with a gorgeous free kick in the first half perfectly placed it and uh, i can't think of the defender's name right now but he headed it home perfectly and real salt lake went into sporting kansas city and beat them it was a good victory overall i think for them and rsl's confidence goes high now and sporting kansas city humbled yes I think.
0: yes yes it's uh sporting kc is kind of like the R- red bulls of mid last year of who are they they're trying to figure that out uh a, surpri- a bit of a surprise result, FC Dallas drawing with Columbus 1-1. And you
3: know why? It's because Columbus remembered how to play soccer. That's and Columbus it, exactly. looked like the Eastern Conference champions that we knew last season. There yeah. was so much good movement. Ethan Finley couldn't get the, couldn't get enough of the ball. He no. wanted the ball. Kai Kamara wanted the ball. This team wanted the ball, and they looked hungry, and they made FC Dallas work for it.
0: He went with a perfectly placed corner in the yep. ninth minute without just a mirror and put in the back of the goal. But nevertheless... FC Dallas completely dominated this game, um, and it paid off for them in the 70s, 77th minute yep. with a uh, Akandali goal. Uh, but listen to this, 21 shots for FC Dallas to Columbus's eight. But only
3: four of those shots were put on target for FC Dallas and as that's, well.
0: That sounds like a Portland Timbers problem when you look <laughs> at it. <laughs>
3: It does, yes. We'll get to Portland in just a moment. Uh, Simon and I were gracious enough to give Seattle the first victory of the year, so you're welcome, Seattle.
0: Yes, and you know, I, it was one of those deals, Baxter, where uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't pick them, which is why I said congratulations on getting your first win, exactly. and, and that's exactly what happened. And I had a thought in the back of my mind. Too. I'm like, it's
3: home. I feel like Seattle's finally just, they're due know, for they're one. They're due for one, yeah. And they did, Clint Dempsey, they took it all the way until the late, I believe, 75th minute, 76th minute, I believe, um, and Clint Dempsey got a, a weird little just heads up goal in front. She got a nice little cross in and popped it in and hey, they won. Uh, one of the most entertaining games of the week was Vancouver and LA, even though it was scoreless, there, you, you almost you left that game tired like it
0: was a five six shootout. Can David Ousted do this week in and week out for the rest of the year? No, I don't know. Because that was the story of the Where this is game. he what
3: is his nationality? Do we know? Is he a Canadian? I would be very I'm curious. I'm going to look that up. To, I'd be very curious to know where what country tie yeah, he has. You go ahead and
0: talk about the game. I'm going to yeah, do some Yeah, I research. mean,
3: honestly, though, looking at this game, as you mentioned, though, David said standing on his head most of the game really shut down what L.A. was doing. But it was also good on the flip side because, from L.A.'s perspective, they had all their big guys in, and they came at them with a fury. And you could tell later on in the game that Bruce Arena wanted this game because he brought in all five forwards. He pulled two midfielders and a forward. He brought in Alan Gordon, Bradford Jameson, and Jesse Zardis. all three of which, between the three of them, they got off six shots, and they were on the field for the most was 29 minutes with Zardis. Those guys were gung-ho to get after the goal. Alan Gordon, at the end, nearly got that traditional Alan Gordon goal. It was a perfectly placed ball for into him, he got a skil- a solid header on it, and he just pushed it wide.
0: Perhaps it's no surprise. Alsted is Danish, and if you think about the great Danish goalkeeper from Manchester United, uh, Peter Schmeichel. Yes, it's perhaps perhaps in in the blood out there. But uh, but Must yeah, he's be. he's a Danish goalkeeper. So hey. Denmark, if you're looking for a goalkeeper that's standing on his head right now, look to MLS and the say, Vancouver Whitecaps. I couldn't even
3: tell you, honestly, who Denmark's starting goalkeeper is right now. Uh, I mean, overall, though, you've got to be happy with how things are going. Uh, if you are LA and Vancouver, you both, they had good, they had good moments overall. Uh, Pedro Morales only playing 19 minutes in this game, uh, picking up an injury, which is certainly, or uh, why do I feel like that's not right? What did he do? I forget what he did. I have to figure out what he did. Red card. He got a red that's card. What that's what it, what it was. That's what it was. I was like
0: Question I will say that one was a little questionable, but hey, the uh, league has come out and said that the refs have to clamp down mm-hmm. on the cleats up tackles and if it yeah, happens That was
3: uh, oh no, that's what it was. It was uh, Matthias Laba. Oh, I'm sorry. That's what it
0: was. Sorry. Anyways, I'll going to go on with my point here. No, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> because it was it was a questionable red card for Laba. Um yeah. I say that then at the same time the league has come out and said they want the pro referees to really look at, they want it, they want them to clamp down on the on the cleats-up tackles. Yeah, and that's exactly now, what were, it was. <laughs> What's interesting about that, we'll get to this game, there was a couple of uh, studs-up tackles in the Orlando City-Portland game that were only yellow cards, and on a couple of those I thought, man, that's for both Portland and Orlando, interesting. those should be some red cards out there. You
3: would think so, and that's the thing, Joe, and that's, that's the age-old thing that you go back to, though, as well for... The NFL. What is a catch? What defines... Exactly. A yellow card. What defines
0: a red card, you know? But you know what? I give the league credit because... The game has gotten a bit sloppy in MLS. Yep, I agree. This is so it's going to be it's going to be tough for a while, but it's it's only going to make the game better. So for fans saying the league needs to concentrate more on the field product, mm-hmm. which I agree with, this is the way you start dealing with it: is getting the referees on board.
3: Exactly, absolutely. So those two teams drew in a exciting fixture. San Jose and DC United also drew one one. Chris Wondolowski trying to put the team on his back in this game didn't end up working out for no, him. No, and see America though. He is the man that is another not a bad idea to go maybe go and get in a fantasy team because he he gets the ball a lot for San Jose.
0: Yeah, he, he sure does. And in fact, it looked like it looked like DC United was going to win this game. San Jose San Jose doesn't get a goal until Saturday. the 88th minute. Uh, Shea Salinas with the assist on an Adam John goal. Yep, and that
3: was just a nice. Touch. Honestly, it was a swung-in ball to the near post, and John
0: kind of dove at it with his foot and just redirected it
3: to the far post, and
0: couldn't get goal. Mm-hmm. Like he wouldn't get to it. A shout out to the uh, San Jose Earthquake fans for finally putting up a decent tifo, by the way. <laughs>
3: All right, Simon, let's talk about it. Orlando-Portland, Sunday night, the only game that took place on Sunday because there were far too many games on Saturday. Baxter, I
0: chose Orlando City, though I didn't expect this type of uh, demolishment. But as we were sitting there with my wife, I I had DVR the game, and I hit play, and I said, all right, I'm going to watch Portland lose. And she said, what do you mean you're going to watch Portland lose? I said, I just got a feeling uh, they didn't know if Adi was going to play or not. He did. But in the back, they're He didn't play very
3: long, though. I don't think he played the full game.
0: He did not play the full game. I think he came out in the 58th minute or so. Something like that. Uh, he wasn't very effective. But part of that was is the whole team wasn't effective. Mm-hmm. You've got two backs right now who... Uh, Jermaine Taylor, who he spent plenty of time with Houston. He's, he's a decent back. Sure. But when you've got him back there with uh, this English kid, 21 years old. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he's stepping in for uh, actually taylor 's been playing on the outside, and uh, this You're guy talking about jack barnby? barnby nope nope not barnby didn 't play last taylor. night either it 's uh, i 'm sorry yes barnby okay. so Barnby steps in on the outside back they put Taylor to the inside, which is where Ridgewell has been playing yep. Borchers, you could tell he was frustrated. He didn't have a very good game himself. No. But you've got basically half of your defense brand new to this team. Um, you've got a guy now playing in a different position. That's tough to stay organized. Now, that said, there's no reason that they should have played as bad as they did. They were completely disorganized from front to back. They had a few moments of owning the game in the final third, but Orlando, they they looked like they looked like MLS Cup winners last night. They
3: did, and they went out and beat. And that's the storyline, too, that a lot of media outlets are running with has said that Orlando took down the defending MLS Cup champions. Well, so. they,
0: they they took him down, they stomped him, they threw him in the grave, and they picked him up again and threw him back in the grave. <laughs> exactly. Well, you have to commend the
3: performance from Kaká, last night. He played 80 minutes. He registered one wonderful goal and two brilliant assists, as he always did. And Breck
0: as well. That was. I'll tell you what, I was sitting there watching in the game, that left-footed bending to the, you know, back mm-hmm. almost on the field and then into the goal. I just sat there and went, even as a Timbers fan, I gotta go. Exactly. Wow, nice goal, man. And I, I
3: really hope that U.S. Men's National Team fans don't start freaking out saying, where is that? That would be a good left back. We've tried Breck Shea. Stop. We have, but... He's not a bad player, but he's he's, got, he's better than
0: Castile. Castillo.
3: A lot of people are better than Castillo. Chris Tierney is better than Chris Edgar Tyranny Castillo.
0: is. I well, that's what I was going to say. Is I wouldn't mind having Tyranny and Breck Shea in, in that camp. That Why not fun. let those two battle it out? Why not? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, knows. anyways, it was uh, really. I know you said we're going to talk about. It. There's not much to say other than this. This was a total demolition by Orlando City. They sure. played fantastic. They were fun to watch whereas the Timbers were, uh, were completely disorganized. They are a bit lost. I will say this, Jack Mack in the right place Another at the goal. right time again. He's done that uh, two or Maybe, times maybe now.
3: it's time to give him a start. But also consider the goals he's been scoring, though. The, I feel like a couple of the goals he has scored have been just literally like, you know, I'm a foot in front of the goal. It fell to me in the right place, and I tap it in.
0: But there's something to be said for somebody having that nose for true. where to be. That is true. If you're losing games 4-1... to one, why not Why not give somebody else an opportunity? I agree. No, I completely agree with you. All right, so let's take a look at this upcoming week fast,
3: and then we'll jump to a break and then close things up with power rankings in our I Believe segment. So Philadelphia and Orlando. Philadelphia is hosting. Uh, Orlando, in my opinion, is the clear choice for probably a while until I'm proven differently yeah you
0: can you can copy that and paste it
3: (laughs) okay I will do that I'm watching Baxter do this in their Google Montreal and and Columbus now this is a fun game now an interesting storyline obviously now after Montreal losing to Seattle but Montreal played fairly well Columbus hinting hinting that they're back to their form that they were last year
0: yes uh one thing to keep in mind is this will be in Montreal. Uh, I don't know if Droga's, Drogba is going to play at all. Probably. He's been taking the last, you know, 45 games <laughs> off. Um, but I'm going to take Montreal on this. Uh Columbus perhaps needs a l- couple more games to really find their stride. All right, I'm going to jump on the the bandwagon of Columbus and take them. All right. Thing. Uh Revs hosting.
3: Oops. Uh the Revs are hosting Toronto FC. Simon you mentioned it. The Revs are Toronto is tired. New England traditionally he's done fairly well against Toronto as well. I like New England winning this game. I like New England as well. All right uh, DC and Vancouver. Did uh, DC do anything? Did DC do enough against San Jose to make us not hate them as much?
0: Well, they were at least up 1-0 almost the whole game, so True. that's that's pretty decent. Is that enough uh, to warrant them a win over Vancouver, though? Uh, no, but I think it warrants a draw with Vancouver. Okay. I knew there was at least one coming this week.
3: New York Red Bulls. Yourself? Uh yourself? Oh, I've got Vancouver. I'm okay. sorry. Vancouver, I still think that, I think that they're catching up now to what's going on, and I like where they are moving forward. Uh,
0: New York Red Bulls and Sporting Kansas City? You thought I was done with the draws, but I'm not. I'm taking a draw here uh, because don't know who sporting kansas city is and the red bulls have been struggling mm-hmm. this isn't red bull arena if anything i'd be leaning more towards a kc win on this but i'm mm-hmm. going to i'm going to stick with the draw i'm going to go with the red bulls on this one um like you said it's at
3: home i think they've got something to say they played fairly well this last game Uh, against New England, and I think that they're going to be a little bit still hot and heavy to get back out and uh, take down a sporting Kansas City team. Although this will be a good battle, though, I feel like. I could see this being a multi-goal game.
0: Yes. San Jose
3: and FC Dallas.
0: Yeah, I think FC Dallas has this game. They're back home. Wanda is going to sneak a goal in there, I'm sure, but I think with Rudy Diaz... Uh, well, who else you have in there? Castillo. We'll see who's back in goal, if it's going to be Kites or Gonzalez. But probably be Gonzalez by this
3: point, honestly. I've got FC Dallas taking this game home yeah. as well. Uh, RSL and Colorado. Ooh, the Rocky
0: Mountain Cup. That's fun. Very fun.
3: You've been jumping on Colorado. I have, and, and, and it's been them?
0: working out well for me. So why 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 change it up when things are going
3: well? True. I'll, take, I'll take Colorado on okay, this one. Okay, I'm going to just play the Devil's Advocate and go with RSL on this one just because I think it'll make for uh, an interesting storyline. Houston and Seattle. Houston, going, or
0: Houston hosting Seattle on this one. What say you, Simon? I'm picking Houston on this. I think okay. they get back on track. Uh, Seattle hasn't convinced me even this last game. They weren't playing that great, mm-hmm. so I'll stick with Houston. Okay,
3: I'm going to take Seattle just for the heck of it, just trying to mix things up this week. Um, they won last week. I think that th- the the vibe in camp was going to be a little bit better, although I do agree with you on the fact that Houston's got more goal-scoring options. Uh, I think I think Seattle might uh, surprise some folks this week.
0: All right. NYC FC and Chicago. NYFC, is, I have a feeling that this could be the goal-scoring game of the week, and I think New York City's going to come out on top. I would agree with you on that one. It's very hard for me to ever pick Chicago unless they're playing Philadelphia. <laughs>
3: So that's why i to take New York <laughs> this week. That's why I took him last week. L.A. and Portland?
0: Oh, uh, I hate to say it, but this is one of the easier picks this week. It's going to be last Al- week. L.A. Galaxy, though. Yep, uh, yeah. I agree. Uh, Portland is just way too disorganized. The Galaxy has too much firepower. As great of a goalkeeper as Kwarisi is, you can't have all these shots on goal. And these I mean, that's the thing. Orlando was, for as awesome as Ousted is playing, a lot of shots are actually somewhere within his reach, and mm-hmm. he still has to make some amazing saves, but... These Galaxy players know how to put that goal in the net past QRC who, who won't be able to reach these saves. So, Easy I pick. agree. I think LA's got the better, uh, better overall flow, honestly, and I
3: think they're going to do a darn good job with it as well. All right, quick break, come back, power rankings, I believe, and then we're out. You're listening to 2 Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. I'm Simon Provan. All right, Simon, time for some power rankings, some I believing, and some audio sing. Are you ready,
0: sir? Yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I forgot about the power rankings, but I can do this quickly. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's jump into it. Okay. Well,
3: I'll uh, I'll run my five and then you uh do You got them up there so I, I can at least see. Okay, I do. good. All right, so my number five is the New England Revolution this week. After their victory, I think uh, watching the full game, their offense moved the ball well. Lee Wynn, Teal Bunbury, Scott Caldwell, Juan Agudelo, even Kellen and Diego Fagundes, all started to put things together this week, and I think that warrants them a spot at number five in my power rankings.
0: Yeah, I'm going to... uh I'll add him as you talk. So all keep, right, that sounds good as, like as, as I mumble and fumble here. Did you know that Chicago is in sixth place, though, in the East? I yeah. did not realize that. Don't Sad worry, that. I'm not putting them there good. in my uh, power rankings. But Philadelphia was my number five last week. I'm taking them out. Baxter, I'm going to cheat and copy. I'm going to do a New England Revolution. That's fine. As my number five team. Totally
3: fine. Uh, RSL defeating Sporting Kansas City this last week has warranted Sporting Kansas City, who was my number one last time, to drop all the way to number four.
0: Number four. You have Sporting KC at number four. Uh, Let's see. What was mine last week? San San Jose. Jose. Yeah, I think I'm going to drop San Jose out, and I'm actually going to put RSL in at the number four spot. Interesting. Okay. Good to know. RSL is actually my number three
3: team. Uh, I think that victory against Sporting Kansas City in... Sporting Kansas City is a big, big victory for them, and I think it will help propel them now for the next couple of games.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can completely see that. Let me see where I'm at here, Arcel. I'm looking over your shoulder. You? <laughs> good uh. thing this isn't a test. <laughs> <laughs> How did Houston do? did they? Did they play? Did they, did they, play? they lose? Yeah, I don't did know. They do? uh, you we, know what? I'm going We keep, talked about it, didn't we? We did. We did. But I'm going to. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll keep Houston at number... And you go Houston to three, huh? Yeah, Dropping yeah. them a spot? Dropping them a spot, yes. That's fine. Number two, I'm
3: riding the purple wave. Orlando City SC, they go to number two for me. They do. You put a beat down against the defending MLS Cup champions, regardless of how good or bad they're playing, it still warrants you some success. Orlando's looked good all year.
0: Yeah, I'm actually going to uh, put FC Dallas in my number two spot. Okay. We're, we're going to flip-flop on these two. Okay. And uh, Orlando City, boy, they not just... Not just uh, It's not just that they won. It's the way that they won. Exactly. I agree. No, I completely agree with you on that one. Orlando's my number one. I want to see
3: just a little bit more from Orlando to make them my number one. That's why I have FC Dallas at my number one. So we flop a little bit. Sure. I have FC Dallas at one, Orlando two, RSL three, Sporting Kansas City four, New England
0: Revolution at five. And Simon? I've got uh, Orlando City at number one, FC Dallas at two, Houston at three, RSL at four, and the Revs at number five as well. All right. Not bad at all. (laughs)
3: just gave Simon a heart attack. Sorry about that. <laughs> anyway, so it's our I Believe segment. Woo! I believe that Simon will come back to life after I resuscitation. <laughs> no, I, I am, Yes,
0: right. I'm here. You're yeah, awake
3: now. So now I, you're that you're awake, you can go first. I will
0: go first. I believe. So we've got the women's national team suing the uh, U.S. Soccer Federation. Yes. Because uh, for equal pay, basically. The women drew in $20 million more million than the men did last year. Granted, it was a World Cup year for the yep. women, I'm sure, if we... Wait till the this summer and figure out the numbers. It'll be. Yeah, so do you know
3: how much the men made last year or the, during their World Cup year?
0: They made seven times more than the women that right? did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that being said, uh, equal pay yeah. for equal job, yeah. right? True. So, I I believe that the U.S. women's national team is going to win if this stick keeps going into court. I believe. I believe, however, it goes. U.S. Women's National Team is going to come out ahead on this. Interesting.
3: Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of Colorado, but I think with what they're doing right now, I believe that when Jermaine Jones and Tim Howard are both on the field for the Rapids, they will find themselves in the playoffs this year. People made fun of me for picking Colorado. Still making fun of you for it. Just believing what's going on right now. <laughs> I didn't say where they're going
0: to finish. Probably. I, I, if they I finish believe six. I believe I'm going to prove you wrong. And so do you actually. I do. <laughs> yeah.
3: All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. Remember for the month of April, you can get us from two to five PM Eastern time on Sports Radio America. No live shows anywhere that we're pre recording them due to our busy schedules as well. Uh special thanks to Washington Spirit midfielder Christine Narin for joining us today and Wisconsin Lutheran College women's soccer coach Tony Pierce as well. Great conversations, great soccer talk as always, so we appreciate them joining us today as well Simon any
0: closing thoughts for us just make sure you check out our Facebook page that's at 2upfront check out our webpage 2upfrontsoccer.wix.com com backslash two upfront soccer check us out on social media as well on uh, on twitter well i already said facebook yep. on twitter at two upfront soccer he is at baxter colburn i'm at simon provan yes indeed check
3: out our facebook page for more pod specials this upcoming week as well simon and i i'm sure we'll have something to say whether or not we'll be together we probably won't be because i'll be in texas so we'll uh we'll let you know so thanks so much for tuning in to another edition thanks to everybody that joined us as well on the air he's simon provan i'm baxter colburn We'll see you next time on 2UpFront, with our manager being the one above. We are 2UpFront. Me, 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 but also you.
0: The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line?
3: Uh, The only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive.
0: Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh?